Hello, Lion Cook Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Lion Cook Thoughts Podcast. Let me tell you about my friend, Cody. He is the guest of the podcast today. Um, he's someone who's uh, very special to me. He was one of my first mentors in the industry. He got me one of my first kitchen jobs. He got me my first kitchen job in a professional kitchen working in downtown Buffalo, New York. Um, we met through a culinary competition in high school when I was like 16. And he just always like, he just like took me under his wing and I'll forever be grateful for the amount of care and support he showed in me and such a young cook, you know, someone who barely knew how, I mean, I didn't even know carbonara was, was not made with uh, heavy cream. It's always a joke we talk about, but, um, I wanted to interview him because he has set on his own path of making this beautiful business of catering that's centered around the farm to table aspects. And, um, just his whole philosophy of food, his drive, his motivation to cook from the heart, teach, lead, and grow, and just, like, make people great, delicious food is something that I aspire to be as a chef, and, you know, just having him on the podcast, that was just an honor. He grew up in a family of chefs and foodies in western New York, and he was able to earn degrees in culinary arts and hotel and restaurant management. He gained a lot of hands-on experience by working in high-volume catering, as well as intimate fine dining, James Beard Award-recognized restaurants throughout New York and um, some time in Texas. Uh, with Dalterra, he aims to merge these experiences with his own flavors and creations, providing truly farm-to-table dining and warm hospitality to groups of all sizes. Uh, his, you know, I really would love to share about his business, uh, Dalterra's catering company, and he says it's, it means food from the earth, it means meeting from the earth. Dalterra ventures, including catering, cooking classes, and events, all staying true to the philosophy of using the best ingredients available from the local harvest. This allows us to be creative with the vast bounty we have available in the Northwest, resulting in better tasting and better for you food that benefits the environment and the local economy. We source the majority of our ingredients from within the community from local farms and producers. Obviously, you can learn more by going to thedollaterra425.com slash contact or follow them at underscore dollaterra. And so, yeah, I mean, Cody's someone I look up to. He's a chef who I definitely think is one of those people who's going to forge his own path and really become a great in the industry. But he's just someone who took me under his wing and, you know, taught a bright-eyed young cook how to make pasta and how to truly um, cook good food. But even more importantly, he taught me how to have integrity and ethics in the kitchen and how, you no matter how tough it is, you have to keep your head up and you have to remember that the love of food is what keeps you going and going throughout all the hard days in the kitchen. So... I really hope you enjoyed this conversation with him. Cody, thank you so much for coming on. It does mean a ton to have you, not only on the podcast, but as a mentor in life. And I really am excited about this one. So here you go. All right, Cody, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, it's always going to be an honor to have you on since you're one of my first mentors. So like I said, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, super good to catch up and um, just love what you're doing. Really cool to kind of have a voice for line cooks and chefs out there. Um, I think it's just going to grow and grow and really take off. Thank you. Um, if you just want to introduce yourself, uh, that would be great for the audience. Yeah, um, I'm Cody Castilia. I'm the chef owner of Delaterra Catering here in uh, Snohomish, Washington, kind of Seattle area um out in out in farm country a little bit outside of seattle mm -hmm. um i grew up you know in a family of people in the industry my dad had a catering business my dad had a pizzeria my grandparents had little restaurants and um you know my uncles were importers for different italian companies there's always food around um and then ended up doing like just the community college thing for culinary school, um, transferred out to Niagara university where I got to learn some of the hotel restaurant management, some of the entrepreneurship stuff. That's very helpful now. Um, and then from there I went to work for Hyatt hotels, uh, in their corporate management training program, um, worked in Dallas, worked in park city, Utah for a little bit. Um, and then from there kind of shifted and just decided I need to learn as much as I could and just try to just work for the best chefs I could. So I ended up working for uh, Stephen Piles in Dallas, who was kind of one of the early 90s, like best chef, you know, James Beard nominated, award-winning chefs. And one of the chefs that kind of started, 
you know, regional Southwest cuisine um, mm. for him and um, ended up going back home to Buffalo, New York. Um, and yeah, just, just pushing, <laughs> working different jobs, working at um, embassy suites with Ray and, you know, flipping omelets for 11 bucks an hour and then working, <laughs> you know, for amazing chefs at night, working uh, at Sea Bar Sushi and ended up going to work at um, Craving Restaurant in Buffalo, um, where I got to tag along and go cook at the James Beard House. Super cool opportunity. Um, then I helped open up Carte Blanche Restaurant, which is like a truly farm-to-table restaurant, doing our own canning, doing our own curing, um, trying to keep the the short buffalo growing season alive year-round. Yeah. Um, from there, I moved out um, to Seattle, um, where my now wife was. And um, just been doing cooking classes, really connecting with local farms producers here, started my own catering business, just just pushing, <laughs> living the chef on life. <laughs> yeah, so it's been fun. It's been a fun journey. That's awesome. Uh, well, I guess we'll take it back to, I guess, our background, because with most guests on the podcast, I really am meeting them for the first time yeah, when absolutely. I'm interviewing them. But with you, we... <laughs> met a long time ago um oh, oh yeah you were uh you were my first kind of mentor in the industry or one of my first mentors uh we met because when i was back back in high school we had done a competition together in buffalo where uh they paired us up like a local chef and a local student and cody and i did this it was like this iron chef competition and we ended up winning and through there yeah. you know you kept in touch with me which i've always you know looking back always appreciated because you could always just been like who is this kid who can't really cook (laughs) but um you um you kept in touch and you know after my senior year of high school before I went into college you got me a job at embassy suites and you know we worked there like you said flipping omelets on those little (laughs) little burners little portable burners um but no that was like integral to my culinary career because I really got to see firsthand what a kitchen was like before going into school and you know you were always so willing to teach. I mean, you took me foraging for the first time. You were the first one to ever take me foraging. You're the first one to show me how to pickle. Uh, we pickled ramps and made pesto and made pasta. And so, I mean, you had a big part to play in the very early beginnings of my culinary career. Um, what was it like for you, uh, I guess, working in Buffalo and starting to get your feet wet into the industry over in Buffalo, New York? Oh, man. I mean, Buffalo, the food is amazing. We always joke about just my wife and I, Leah, about just going back to Buffalo and just not telling anyone and just going and eating all the food. Um, mm. The little, you know, the little mom and pop restaurants, I think of like Wegman subs and just like all these little mom and pop restaurants where the recipes haven't changed in a hundred years. And um, still, you know, the food is amazing. Um, you know, I guess when I was kind of starting off, um, you know, there wasn't really much of a food scene at all. Um, it was definitely more of the, you know, chicken wings and pizza and really great, like takeout food and that kind of thing. But really, yeah. had, um, you know, taken off until kind of like, you know, sea bar started getting their name out there and, um, you know, kind of the crop of chefs that are in Buffalo now it's, it's come a long way, but back then, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I was in my kind of senior year of high school and it's just like, well, I need to do something. My dad's like, you need to go to college for something. So I'm like, well, I think it'd be cool to learn how to cook like professionally. And it was just kind of a no brainer. I was always around it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of tough to really learn and grow. You know, a lot of the restaurants were kind of stuck in the, in the eighties and nineties um, and that kind of thing. And just, not really pushing themselves or doing anything different um, and stuff. So I really felt that I needed to kind of branch out if I was going to learn and grow. So that's where, you know, I jumped on the opportunity to, to get with Hyatt and at least get into a new, new city, um, see what else is going on out there um, and stuff. But yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, you know, growing up in that area, though, I mean, I know you're, you know, from knowing your family, they're very food focused, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very Italian food focused yeah. family. Yeah. What were, uh, what were some dishes growing up that you really enjoyed uh, that your family made for you? Oh, man, there's so much. You can probably relate with just the kind of Italian American background and just like 
that smell of like onions and garlic just sweating in olive oil <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just like you know every kind of dish started with that so just my dad's like pasta broccoli um all like the italian american stuff like you know chicken parmesan and like um all that stuff that's just like so good <laughs> just mouth-watering and you know the meatballs cooking all day and you know meatballs and sausage just simmering in red sauce <laughs> for eight hours or whatever and um my grandma's manicotti um you know all that kind of stuff is like really like the cuisine of buffalo <laughs> and like of new jersey and and stuff um um definitely not authentic italian food but that italian american stuff is just so so delicious and definitely what i remember kind of growing up on going to the little italian bakeries and um little you know little mom and pop italian restaurants and just consuming ridiculous amounts of pasta and carbs and all the <laughs> things that we love <laughs> yeah definitely yeah um and when did you start realizing you wanted to be a chef um, really like, so yeah, kind of senior year in high school, I just was like, well, shoot, I need to do something. So, um, I actually took a elective class in high school called, uh, food and fitness. Um, and it was kind of cool to see, um, like not only learn about food, but like what it kind of does with your body and with your, your nutrition. Um, and then I just, I just really loved it. Um, and I, I did like, you know, I did the culinary school and I was definitely not like a natural, <laughs> um, you know, I kind of remember, um, you know, stuff always kind of sticks out to everybody, but just teachers just tell me like, is this really what you want to do? And not really <laughs> asking more of telling, you know, like, is this really what you want to do? <laughs> um, and, you know, um, definitely was not a natural, but just loved it. I loved getting to be creative. I loved getting to, um, to do something with my hands and you know something that that takes care of people that uh feeds people that brings them together and um yeah so i always loved it kind of went back and forth um i did like some catering sales got super bored with that i always ended up kind of back in the kitchen um yeah so um yeah (laughs) okay yeah no i definitely understand though that idea of I mean, for me too, I, I felt like I didn't pick up cooking right away. I feel like I had to really work hard to be somewhat decent at it. <laughs> so Totally. There's a ton of trial and error and reading and watching videos and, you know, practice, practice, practice. And um, definitely it was not a natural thing. I definitely didn't fit the mold of a, of a chef personality wise. I was told that a lot um, and stuff. And um yeah, but I was just like, I know I can make delicious food and <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. yeah, just, yeah, just kind of kept pushing and try to kind of drown out some of those negative voices and just keep pushing. So, <laughs> okay. So obviously your time in Buffalo was very important to you and yeah. going out to Dallas was important. Um, I do want to ask, so like, you know, we did the competition together and you really did, like I said, you really did play a big part in my development i mean you taught me a lot and then you connected me with ross where i worked at oliver's for a lot who's been on the podcast just recently um why keep in touch with uh, a 17 year old kid um <laughs> who didn't know how to cook uh, i guess that's the question i've had for a while now <laughs> oh dude i mean that was just a no, uh, no-brainer i mean you were really like eager to learn um and uh you know you're very passionate about it and it's like of course i would Wanted, I feel like I didn't do much. I feel like, you know, I just gave like the little that I did have, which was, you know, what I had learned from some kind of kind of tough times and um, what I've kind of learned the hard way and just try to share like, like I've been kind of thinking about something lately with like different types of chefs and mentors and stuff. And, you know, there's definitely something to be said for, um, you know, I had a chef who, who, yeah, pretty much told me like, I wasn't going to make it and pretty much told me, is this really what you want to do? And that kind of thing. And it's like, that yeah. did motivate me for a while. Cause I was like, well, I wanted to actually prove her wrong. And that kind of yeah. can be a motivator, but I feel like what's really brought me so much farther is the chefs that actually like, um, did invest in me, did see something good in me, did 
teach me, did correct me. Um, and like, you know, kept it, kept it more positive. Um, mm. I felt like, you know, like, like that kind of like, I don't know, it, it's a bit of a motivator to like, try to piss these people off that say you're not going to make it, but so much more. Um, if you find somebody that will see something good in you and kind of help bring it out. And for me, it was like with you, I was just trying to, it's like every, anything that I've learned is a, was a gift to me. And it's, you know, why not, why not share that um, and stuff? So I still try to do that every day, try to help everybody learn and grow while learning and growing myself. I mean, there's so much, I mean, especially like, you know, being a chef and getting to that point where you're a sous chef or a chef de cuisine or an executive chef, that's, that's a push. And then beyond that now, like as the owner, it's like being a chef, being the chef and just making delicious food is one of the many, many, many things that I'm thinking about in a day. So there's so much for me to learn still every day. Yeah, and definitely. I mean, it's a fun and terrifying thing about what we do. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, I, I've seen your classes. I know. I mean, like for anyone listening, Cody is definitely one of the most, um, I guess you're one of the, you're the most willing to teach. Uh, you always. Thank you. Yeah. Like interested in teaching, like no matter what, like even, even when we were cooking, like I remember one time we were hanging out at your house and we cooked and like just the amount of knowledge you wanted to share. And like with pasta, when I came in to eat at carte blanche and all the different things yeah. that you made a point to tell me, like, you know, you're very, you like you're always willing to teach. And I know you touched upon it a little bit, but like, what I mean, it seems like one of your passions. Would you? I mean, I know you do teach classes now, but would you ever want to full time teach later on in your career? Or? Um, you know what's possible? I kind of, I kind of like like just kind of doing it on the job uh, more so. Um, we did some like public cooking classes and that kind of thing. They're kind of a crapshoot. I mean, half the people actually care and want to learn. The other half want to like drink wine and. Um, they're really like into it, um, that kind of thing. And it's also really, really hard to cook and talk and be nice and teach at the same time, um, and stuff. And that's really, it's a really tough balance. So, um, it's, it's possible. I'm really starting to love kind of the entrepreneurship side of things as well of like, how can I meet needs with the business and how can I, make our business better and more profitable and you know how can we connect with other small businesses and that kind of thing so teaching is definitely a passion cooking is definitely a passion i'm also kind of starting to really love the the entrepreneurship side of things so, yeah i mean yeah. that thing that video you did with dk metcalf was kind of big for you i mean <laughs> i don't know if, yeah. if you're able to go into that i mean in yeah. terms of entrepreneurial stuff i mean I, you know i watched what you do, but when you shared that, I was like, wow, this is like pretty huge. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and just like, what a humble, cool guy as well. So, um, that, you know, that came about through a venue that like I work at a lot that I'm a guest chef at. And, uh, they basically didn't tell me anything about it. Um, the day before <laughs> they just told me, <laughs> um, you know, they said, uh, it's an athlete. We can't tell you his or her name, um, you know, show up tomorrow at 10 AM and they want to basically learn how to make, um, chicken marsala. This was like a memorable dish that he grew up with chicken marsala. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I've like, I've never made chicken marsala in my life, but okay. And then right, <laughs> like fresh pasta. And these are things like his dad, whose dad was also in the NFL and his dad used to cook that for him growing up. So, the whole is this whole video. I didn't know anything about it really. Mm -hmm. I showed up that morning and there's all these cameras and all these people. And they basically tell me like, it's for the players tribune, which is kind of like, it's kind of like line cook thoughts <laughs> for, um, <laughs> for um, athletes. And it's Derek Jeter owns it. And he's trying to tell the story of athletes, like their real story, what they're passionate about, what they like to do, what's their life beyond, you know, the field. Um, and stuff. And this one was sponsored by, um, John Hancock, like financial services. So they were kind of also talking about like having a backup plan for after these guys retire. Um, and DK, when he retires, believe it or not, wants to be a chef and a restaurateur. So all of us that want to be pro football players, this guy <laughs> is a pro football player and he wants to come be a cook. So um, I'm like, dude, we can switch someday, but basically <laughs> 
we cook together, he has, he is like huge. He's like six, four, um, just this big guy, super nice guy. Um, that was like, that was like, I think the first real interview he ever did. Cause that was actually like the week before he started to blow up and have these two touchdown, three touchdown games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of the week before. And he was just kind of this kid from Mississippi and he was like more nervous than me. Like they're interviewing him. He's super nervous. Um, he's kind of shaking. Um, and then he, um, he could, he killed it though. Like we start cooking and basically I would, make something and then he would kind of follow after me and make it. Um, we made fresh pasta. Um, you know, there was not a glove size big enough for him to wear. Um, and then basically afterwards he's like, he actually took his chef coat that he had on for a prop and he signed it and gave it to me on the way out. Um, That's so cool. just a super cool, humble, just cool guy. Who's like basically this kid, you know, who got drafted and now is in the spotlight and he's, he stayed really humble. It's really, really cool to see. I'm like, please stay this way. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that that was really cool to see. So I want to get into like, like you moving out to Seattle and I guess how, the story of you starting your catering business. I mean, what was the mission behind it? Why move out to Seattle? Why mm-hmm. leave Buffalo? Yeah. Um. So uh, my wife, Leah, um, we have known each other since like high school and stuff. So uh, a lot of it, we were long distance. She was living here with her family. I was living in Buffalo. I was living in Dallas. She did study abroad in Italy for a bit um, and stuff. So we kind of see each other, you know, on the summer and, and the winter and stuff. And that was cool, but it's like, we're getting older. So we, um, you know, basically I was like, I'm going to propose to you or <laughs> no. And so, so we, um, basically I quit my job and I drove, um, from New York, from Buffalo, um, met her in Arizona at her best friend's wedding, drove through California, got engaged at Disneyland and then drove to, um, uh, Seattle. Like, and then, um, when I first got here is like, I need to just find a job. And that was pretty tough being like new in a new city and not knowing anyone. So I ended up actually working for Facebook, which was pretty cool. It was, uh, like basically the contracted catering for, um, their like virtual, uh, virtual reality business that Facebook owns. They did Mm -hmm. all the meals for them, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, for 200 employees of Facebook. Um, and it's like a different menu every single day. Um, and that was kind of cool, but you know, just, just taking a job right out, I kind of realized, Seattle is very expensive place to live. <laughs> um, I kind of realized like, even though it's like a, you know, culin- basically like a culinary supervisor, like sous chef kind of position, um, it's not going to make me enough money to like support a family and that kind of thing here. So um, I just really dove in and just said, I'm going to start a business like super risky, but I knew that I had, you know, these past 10 years of working under so many different chefs and, gathering all these notes and recipes and gathering my own style of cooking. Um, and so actually on my like flight here, I was researching all different like uh, local farms and producers here in the area. And it's just really like a chef's Disneyland here in the Northwest. We've got incredible seafood, really good produce, really good soil, um, local flowers that we can use. There's a million different like artisan local, you know, cheeses and lots of cool stuff we get to work with. So I started doing a lot of research on that. Started putting together my business plan and like my menus and stuff and um, working on that and trying to merge, you know, that, uh, that, that thoughtfully sourced um, like from scratch food, but for like for the masses and stuff. So trying to really meet that need. And I really, I really thought it was good. I really thought it could meet a need. Um, You know, people in this area really care about, um, where their food comes from, what's doing to them, um, what's the impact on the environment. People really, really care about that here. Not, not as much in like Buffalo, right. And like other parts of the country, um, and stuff, but, um, they really care. So I thought it, it uh, really fit a need. Um, and yeah, I just, just got to work, um, stuff and tr- try to try to get my name out there. You know, I'm doing lots of cooking classes at different venues, um, one of the places I worked at is a place called 21 Acres. 
Okay. Uh, that was really, really, really great uh, place. That's in Woodenville, which is kind of like our area's wine country. It's where like Chateau Saint Michel um, started and that kind of thing. Uh, so it's really Washington's wine country and um, beautiful, beautiful area. Lots of venues, lots of wineries and farms. So working there, um, they basically they'll only use ingredients that come from within a hundred miles of our area. So no olive oil, no citrus. Um, so that really got me like thinking about, you know, what, what do we love about olive oil? What do we love about citrus? Um, and how can we recreate that stuff? Cause it's pretty limiting to only use ingredients from like even salt was local. Everything, everything is local. Um, yeah. and stuff. So, um, they had a farm on site and then they also had a market which had ingredients from just within a hundred miles from here. So everything, honey, I started learning about stuff like sumac, which gives you that acidity, um, that like citrus has, and that's what I would have to use, um, and stuff. And, you know, pantry items like local beans, local flowers, local lentils, all this cool stuff that I got to play with. So I learned so much from there, made some good connections with farms and producers there and just kind of, kind of went for it. And, um, ended up, you know, renting, a, uh, uh, renting from a restaurant, um, like as a commissary kitchen for my catering business, you yeah. leaving, I was like, well, I don't want to leave. So I ended up taking over the lease. Um, so yeah, so just, yeah, it's been fun doing, um, lots of weddings. We're in, we're in, uh, Snohomish. So you have this kitchen that you're leasing out right now. Um, it has it been challenging to kind of I mean, you're just, it's just you running it or do you have anyone helping you? Yeah. So pretty much me, um, and the, you know, the, our peak season is obviously this summer with weddings and everything. So, you know, in the summer we need a lot more people, um, you know, we'll have eight to 15 people on the schedule at any time. Um, in the winter, it's a lot of smaller events where it's like me and like a couple other people where we're like just doing like winemaker dinners or smaller, like intimate um, dinners or tasting so we can book business for the summer, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, pretty small team this time of year. And then like lots of really ideal is like lots of seasonal, like, you know, people that are in college or that kind of thing that are down to just come play for the summer. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, this is something that a lot of people, a lot of cooks talk to me about is like this idea of starting your own business or starting your small, a small business, um, you know, you know, especially cooks my age, we always think of de- needing to cook for a while until we can actually go out and do our own thing. But you're only what you're like, what, 27, 28 right now? Yeah, I'm 29. Yeah. 29. Oh, sorry, man. Yeah. You aged, you aged <laughs> it's been a little bit. Yeah. It's been a little bit. Um, yeah. um you're still fairly young for doing this as like, oh yeah, your no, own I'm, business. I'm totally insane. <laughs> but you know, you know that already. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, having the confidence in yourself and the confidence in your ability to cook to go out and create this for yourself. What advice would you give to someone who is on the fence about going and doing their own thing, but they're kind of worried about leaving an established place? Um, I would probably not be like me. I would probably wait a little bit longer, um, just because they're so so many different things to consider. Um, I just really, I just kind of jump into things and then I'm like, I'll figure it out after and stuff. But I mean, there's so much, I, I agree. I mean, I know, you know, chefs in Buffalo that were, you know, executive chefs for 20 or 30 years before they ever dreamed about opening their own place and that kind of thing. Um, for me, it's like, I always kind of had like the entrepreneurial mindset as well. Like I remember my favorite uh, video game as a little kid was this game called lemonade stand <laughs> and it was like literally you you just decide how much you want to charge for your lemonade and like d- how much sugar you're going to put in it and all this different stuff and then like if it rains like your sales are less and that kind of stuff and um all these like, different factors and i just thought that was a cool like what kind of kid thinks that's a cool video game um, yeah. I really did. And I always kind of loved like the entrepreneurial side of things and just, just doing a lot of different tasks, like 
a million different things in one day. I really love that. Um, keeps me, keeps me, keeps me pushing. Um, I would say like, I don't know. I mean, I, there's a lot of things I could have avoided if I would have done a little bit more like due diligence. Like, um, a lot of it was just kind of flying by the seat of our pants and it was just kind of how it had to be at the time. But like, I would really encourage you to take the time to put together a good, good business plan, do your menu research, do your, you know, competitive comparison, get your food costs dialed in, um, get an accountant. Like you can't, (laughs) you can't wear all the hats. So, you know, kind of look at yourself and, um, you know, what are you kind of good at? And then what are you not so good at? And, you know, can you find good people to take care of, of those, um, aspects and stuff? Cause you can't do it all just, just leads to burnout and stuff. So really where I'm looking at now is like, what do I want to actually do in this business? And, and, uh, also be able to have some kind of work-life balance to be, you know, a dad and a husband and, and all these things and try to stay somewhat sane. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that's kind of what you're asking, but basically I'm, I would actually, <laughs> I would not recommend probably starting so young. I'd probably wait a little bit, um, kind of gather, gather as much info. They would say like waste other people's money first. Like maybe, you know, if you have a concept, maybe go work for somebody that has a similar concept <laughs> and yeah. kind of, kind of lead that. And then, you know, you can kind of be critically thinking the whole time of like, well, I would do this different or that kind of thing. But yeah. What yeah. was the, what was the point where you realized that you wanted to be more than just like a cook? Like you wanted to be your own boss. You wanted to have all these entrepreneurial responsibilities. Was there a certain time where everything just kind of clicked and you're like, all right, I kind of want to just be the chef I want to be and I'm going to figure it out. And obviously, you know, if, there will be difficulties with that, but yeah, you know, there is also a lot of, you know, there's a great amount of respect for going out and forging your own path. I mean, when was that kind of connection made for you? Um, you know, pretty early on, I just like really like, um, kind of like in high school and stuff. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, just something in me was just like that. I just wanted to kind of, kind of push for more and um and that kind of thing and just try and like not waste you know what i've been given and that kind of thing and and try to try to channel it into something um and that kind of thing so yeah i don't know if that's helpful <laughs> no it is yeah. I just, i'm just wondering because you know this is a topic we talk about a lot with line cook thoughts is this transition from you know putting your head down going into work every day building your station and that's it and then one day realizing that oh wait i kind of want to do more like maybe i want more responsibility i want more things to manage i mean sure you know a lot goes into that thought process and it's just interesting to hear from different people you know what made them eventually go away from that um so when you're going about sourcing like how did tell me about your sourcing in your area like how did, how did you, I mean, cause your food looks great and you get a lot of great products. And like you said, you are in a really prime spot, but yeah, when you're going to a new area, do you go visit farms? Do you go to markets? Like how do you get, how do you get your food? Yeah. Um, so I, we're in, um, where my kitchen is, is a historic town called, uh, Snohomish. Super right. cool. There's like, um, it's like super historic. There's a, actually like a organization that won't allow you to kind of make things too modern. Um, I don't really like the very modern trendy stuff. Um, there's a, another town here called Bellevue that's super modern. I walk in there and I'm just like, I'm not cool enough to be here. Everything looks like the Apple store. But um, Snohomish is like, everything is preserved from like the early 1900s. And it's like all these farms, all these amazing organic farms, they're literally right down the road from my kitchen. So well, my kitchen is a little bit out of like, so like the east side of Seattle or like downtown Seattle is where a lot of the like business is happening. Um, so, so it's like part of it would be nice to be located there, but also like I'm right in the middle of all the, you know, supplier side of things, all the amazing um, organic farms and, and, you know, and producers and stuff. So um, how I source there's, uh, I mean, there's, I wish I'm kind of trying to dial in a supplier, like a more, dialed in list um because there's a it's not a easy 
<laughs> an easy situation. Luckily, there are a couple food hubs here. Um, mm-hmm. One is called Farm Stand Local Foods, and that is like super local, like within probably 60 miles from me. And I can order on there almost like your, you know, U.S. Foods thing where you log on and just can order from a bunch of different suppliers. Um, there's two food hubs locally that I can do that through. I can order local, you know, local ingredients, but it's in one streamlined thing and they'll deliver it to me. Um, obviously there's, you know, some farmers where I get things from where I literally just have to go, you know, go to the farm, pick it up or arrange for them to come by and that kind of thing. Um, they'll send me, you know, fresh sheets every Monday, send me what's looking good, what's looking sexy for the week. Um, and I really try to keep my menus vague. Like my menus will say things like roasted vegetables or greens or something like that. So that way I can just order whatever the farmers have, whatever they're trying to sell. I can support them in that way. So, yeah. <laughs> Are there any uh, products right now that you're really into? Um, you know, this time of year, <laughs> probably the same in your area. There's not very much. Um, even like in Buffalo, I used to think of like March, April of like, yeah, we're in spring, but really like my guys here don't really have anything fresh and green and beautiful until like May. So really we're working with like, you know, root vegetables, winter squash, cabbage, that kind of stuff. Um, luckily like we can still get some really good shellfish in the winter. Um, and there's lots of like, uh, you know me, I'm building the pantry all summer. So yeah. There's lots of cool stuff I can play with. Um, um, as far as, have you ever had a Hawkeye turnip? Yeah. Yeah, I love those. So They're really good. Yeah, my buddy James, uh, Radical Roots Farm, that's a mile and a half from us. Um, they introduced me to those. So we like to serve those raw, um, even cook them like comfy, like super, super slow. Um, we did a lamb cassoulet that had some of the comfy Hawkeye turnips super yeah. good they like get really creamy and and just kind of like peppery um so i'm digging on those um yeah i'm just i'm down to try whatever i'm just like you guys just so it, uh we're talking about buffalo but craving restaurant in buffalo we um chef adam didn't really like i don't think he really had an order guide i think he just told the farmers to just bring whatever and we would literally make the menu for that day based on whatever showed up so I kind of have that mindset as well of just like, I'll just take whatever you got <laughs> and we'll do something with it. So, um, cool. yeah, it's, it's fun. Fun way um, to Iron Chef challenge, right? Every day. <laughs> yeah, no, so, but I'm sure it's, it's fun to do. And so. Barely yeah. breaking up right now. Oh, breaking up. Yeah, there's a weird noise. Um, it sounds like Pac-Man. What the heck? <laughs> um, give me one sec. Uh, let me stop the recording. Do this. All right, can you hear me good now? Yeah, yeah, you sound good. All right, cool. Um, so we were talking about this before we got into the podcast because you know I really wanted to like get into your sourcing because doing this in a restaurant is challenging, but doing this for a catering business, I'm sure, is a whole other story how i mean you know when we think when i probably the old way of thinking of catering is like you know mass-produced food that kind of looks the same tastes the same has the same texture throughout yeah um but what you're doing is catering high quality locally sourced food uh, to whoever your clients may be what is i mean what are the challenges in that and what why are you so passionate about doing it in a catering form yeah so um basically you know, because with catering, it's usually a wedding or, you know, we've done 50th, 60th birthdays and big anniversaries and um, events that are usually the biggest day of somebody's life. So we think, you know, there should be some some care and some thought into that. And um, yeah, I mean, I've worked in so many places when we're doing catering and it's the joke is like, what are we having today? Beef and chicken or chicken and beef? And it's just like always overcooked. It's always bland. It's always like you know, prep two, three days before we're like with us, sometimes it's harvested that same day and stuff. So it's just a total 180. And we just think like, you know, we think like caterers and stuff have got away with that for too long of just this like mass produced bland food. Um, 
and that kind of thing. So, um, catering also for me, like from a, from a business standpoint was nice because, um, there, there are so many controllable factors. Like, um, you have, you know, for sure, like, you know, you have contracts and stuff that say that 150 people are gonna, (laughs) you know, order this in one night and stuff. So you're, you can kind of control your ordering and your staffing and, and that kind of thing. We're in a restaurant, right? If you have a bad day, you have all this wasted food, all this wasted labor. People are just kind of hanging out on their phone, that kind of thing. So um, that was kind of nice on the cater on the business side of things. Starting up a new business with really no funding or anything um, that was really helpful. Um, and then yeah, we just basically are just trying to provide something different um, and stuff. So. That's the, okay. that's the goal, my man. And is it, I mean, when they, when you give them a menu, I mean, you said stuff can change every day. What's it like for the client when they come in to talk menu with you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the other side of it. Um, you know, sometimes we have clients where they're really flexible and they will just leave it up to us and whatever's in season. But also like if it's a wedding, you know, nine months from now, they need to have some kind of idea of what they're looking at you know, what they're going for. So, um, we'll do a tasting and kind of talk through some options and I'll try to kind of lead them toward what is going to be in season, you know, that time and stuff. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's a little, it's more of a conversation, um, every time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Another chance to kind of educate, um, the public about, you know, our region and the food and farmers here. Okay. Yeah. So moving forward in the next couple of years, you know, what business plans or what do you, where do you see yourself going with uh, Delaterra? Because it is getting pretty big. I mean, social media wise, you have a pretty sizable following. I mean, you have more of a social media following than I do. I mean, this is pretty huge what you've built for yourself. Uh, in the next couple of years, where would you like to see it go? You know, it's kind of like more of the same, really. Um, basically, I get asked all the time, like, you know, are you going to open a restaurant? Everybody asks us that. And I'm always like, no, my wife won't let me um, and that kind of thing. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, we just want to get better at what we do. We want to um, be better, you know, just keep improving, keeping that farm to table caterer, um, improve our service, improve our food, improve our business. Um, and yeah, just, just kind of keep growing, keep growing at that. And really just, I feel like if you try to do too many different things, um, you kind of, kind of gets lost and, you know, you kind of get stretched too thin. So really just trying to, trying to actually be very focused in, in, in our job as a, as a caterer and the bulk of that is weddings, but, you know, definitely trying to grow our like, um, corporate business, um, and that kind of thing. So there's year round business and that kind of thing. So yeah, just, just more of the same, just trying to learn and grow every day. Okay. Uh, what, um, what are some chefs right now that are inspiring you? Or, or I guess, where do you, not even that, where do you get your inspiration from? Obviously the fresh ingredients, but is there a certain style of cooking or a certain type of cooking philosophy that you kind of hold on to when you're trying to create dishes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, um, basically I, um, you know, I would not have been a good, um, (laughs) culinary Institute of America student, um, and that kind of thing, because I really, um, I really don't focus on like really, um, intense, like techniques and preparations. Um, my food is really pretty simple, you know, it's really like four or five great local ingredients that are, complimentary that are in season. Um, and yeah, just basic techniques, whether, um, you know, it needs to be braised or it needs to be, um, just really gently like poached or butter poached or roasted or whatever, whatever it needs. Um, don't have like, I don't have like crazy garnishes. I don't have crazy plating. Um, it's just kind of, just kind of good food that'll appeal to, like a foodie type, but also will appeal to the more like meat and potatoes crowd. And that's, that's what we normally have to do with weddings and, and large events. It's got to kind of 
appeal to everybody um, and that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, so I really draw inspiration from, from chefs like that. Um, right now I'm reading um, a couple of good books. Um, one I'm reading is uh, Six Seasons um, and stuff. Uh, Josh McFadden, chef from Portland. So also the Northwest um, and stuff. And, you know, kind of breaking down really into six seasons. I think it's like, you know, early summer, late summer. I'm really mm-hmm. breaking it down and um, it's just really like humble, but beautiful, delicious, simple food, um, just prepared well and, and um, you know, balancing flavors, textures, um, that kind of thing. I'm reading, um, really trying to dial in, especially with our, you know, our commitment to, to being sustainable, um, trying to really, really limit waste. I'm reading a book called Waste Not, um, you know, or no, Waste Not is from the James Beard Society. I've been reading through that. And then I'm reading through one called Bread is Gold. That's Massimo Batura. Definitely one of my favorite chefs. Just a silly guy. It's a lot of fun <laughs> um, and stuff. And doing a lot of cool stuff with his platform as well. But um, uh, I'm reading a book called Bread is Gold. That's by him and a bunch of chefs. So Bread is Gold and Waste Not are really about, um, you know, using everything and, um, you know, like really limiting waste is just good management, right? As well, food yeah. in the food industry, like that's the difference between making it or not. You know, super tight profits in the food and beverage industry, as you know, as everybody knows. Um, you know, my textbooks when I was at school was saying ten percent. I'm hearing from chefs, you know, it could be closer to two to three percent these days with all the fees and all that stuff. So that's nothing. So those little those little bits really count and are the difference between making it or not so like literally this one of the books is talks about making an ice cream from plum pits like you use the plum pits and steep them in heavy cream <laughs> and that's your base for this ice cream that tastes like plum yeah so really cool. just super cool stuff and like you know it may seem crazy to save that kind of stuff but on the scale of you know weddings for 200 or 300 people um you know, 30, 40, 50 times a year. I mean, that's, that's huge. So, um, and it's just kind of the way like our grandparents did it. Right. And our great grandparents being super poor and, um, using everything and stuff. So yeah, it's really cool. I wanted to get into your, uh, your leadership style, because for me, one of the biggest reasons why you impressed me while I was cooking under you and why you still impressed me today is because you're not the type of person to like get to like scream and yell and like kind of you know throw things you're very level-headed in the kitchen and while sometimes you know everyone gets frustrated i've never really seen you like lose your cool (laughs) why was it so important for you to really i guess be so focused and professional and able to keep everything under control man i mean yeah that's a good that's a really good question um you know it's something that i kind of have been dogged on most of my career um and stuff. Um, pretty chill. Um, I love like you've worked with me. I love to cook and I just have a lot of fun with it. Um, as a thing. So it's hard for me to really get too upset. Um, I really do understand the freak out. Um, I mean, I have worked with chefs that throw things that punch walls and broke their hand. And I'm like, you idiot. You just, how did that work out for you? You just broke your hand. So, um, that kind of thing. But yeah, I just kind of, I kind of realized like, as much as I am pushing and want to learn and grow every day, it's like, there's more to life than just food. And at the end of the day, I mean, I think I had a chef tell me, it's like, at the end of the day, it's just food <laughs> and stuff. And it's like, we, we, we push and we want to do the best we can, but, um, it shouldn't be our worth at the end of the day of like, if you had a good shift or you had a good whatever and stuff. So there's so much more to life. And, um, and, uh, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, and then I, I do definitely just have more of a, more of a calm, like personality. And I got dogged on that a lot. Um, you know, working for, I work for Hyatt for a really old school German chef who was just, you know, bright red in the face and just screaming all day. And, and he, you know, in his mind, that's, that's a good chef. I think mean, that's what a lot of people think is that Gordon Ramsay type where you're just on everybody constantly. And, and it, honestly, I, almost feel like with this generation that doesn't get you anywhere. Um, I feel like this generation is a lot more perceptive to like more of a humble leadership and more of like 
considering yourself part of the team and not like just somebody that <laughs> that just tells you what to do and that kind of thing. So um, yeah. it's definitely a balance because, you know, I can get walked over as well um, and stuff and I'll let things slide where I'm just like, it's okay. And then I really think about it and it's like, well, that's not okay. And now that's starting a, a bad habit that's going to hurt our standards and our service and stuff. So um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing. I mean, leadership is, is super tough. And that's where I, you know, we were talking about earlier, like, how do you make that jump from, you know, like just, you know, a cook who's clocking in every day and just head down grinding to that next level. It's, it's really tough, really, really tough to, to make that, make that jump. And um, I guess for me, how I kind of kept that, my mindset is that like, um, as much as all these, you know, chefs and people kind of told me like, you don't fit the mold and, and, uh, you know, be like this instead, I kind of, kind of did tune it out. Cause it was kind of just like, I'm going to be myself, um, you know, for better or worse and stuff. So, yeah. um, and you know, <laughs> we've all got strengths and weaknesses. So I've got a lot of, a lot of ways to ways to grow as a leader and stuff, but, um, I am, I don't want to not be true to myself and try to be that guy because I have tried and it just didn't work. <laughs> it's not, you know, so it's just better to be authentic, I think. And um, definitely there's times where you need to have difficult conversations and, and, um, and stuff, but there's no need to be ever, I don't feel like ever like intimidating people, cussing at people, definitely not putting your hands on people. And that's been way too common uh, and stuff, especially in our previous generation. So. Yeah. Right. I mean, I totally agree. It's a, it's, it, I feel like less and less now those chefs who are screaming and yelling are getting less and less out of those employees, but we'll see in the yeah. coming years what happens. Um, I do have a question. Uh, first I want to congratulate you on, you know, having your son. Thank you. Um, it's a big milestone in life, I know for sure. Mm -hmm. um, would would you ever want him to be a chef or a cook? <laughs> oh man, we were just talking. I just had um, my uncle was just in town from Michigan um, and stuff, and he's was a chef and total foodie and just spoiled us and cooked for us for three days straight and stuff. It was awesome, <laughs> but um, we were talking about that, and I was telling him like, I don't, I do not want my son to be a chef. And, and my uncle said, well, we tried to tell you that we tried to tell you the same thing and here you are. So I don't know. I mean, I'd be super pumped for him to be, to do whatever he wants. You know, I wouldn't want to be one of those parents that tries to pigeonhole him into my dream and that kind of thing. So, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it would depend on how the industry continues to, um, to progress and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, mental health is a big thing, um, big issue in the industry. Um, I think, you know, that's coming to the forefront more so now. Um, and, you know, just the, the same things that, you know, our parents probably try to talk us out of being in the industry, just all the, all the different pressures and, um, you know, financially, it's not, it's not something you do to make a lot of money, right? It's something you do for passion. So, um, it's not something you're probably ever going to get rich at. I don't care about that. I wouldn't want him to be too caught up in that, but also like, I don't know. I don't know. We have to check in on that in about 10 or 15 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure though he'll learn to make pasta though, because I know that's your, uh, one of your biggest passions in life is pasta. Oh yeah. So Leah and I pretty much every Sunday we used to make fresh pasta and bolognese together. And definitely if nothing else, I would love to teach him how to cook for himself. I think that's something that people don't really know. It's just like a very Uber eats generation. And it's so great to know how to, how to cook for yourself and control what's going into your body. Um, and it's really impressive as well. Like how many dates have you got based on your cooking skills, Ray? Probably, probably <laughs> <you>. None. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, you know, it's important to be able to support yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That is definitely going to be a good life school. I'm, I'm, he'll, he'll be making carbonara the right way. I'm sure. So. The right way. No cream. No cream. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, you know, one of my last few questions, why, you know, for me, 
for us, pasta was like a big thing. Why is pasta such an important thing for you, for me? Why, why do you think it's such a, mm. just something that we really latch onto in our cooking careers? Yeah. I mean, that's a good, good question. I mean, it probably, you know, has to do with our, our background, you know, being Italian American and it's probably, you know, one of those first memories of slurping down like spaghetti or whatever and stuff. So, um, you know, for me, like learning to make fresh pasta, I'm trying to think the first place, I think I, well, I kind of practiced on my own, but probably at Craving restaurant was where I first learned to make a lot of fresh pasta and, um, just kind of almost connected me with like my like ancestors of like, you know, in Italy, this is how they, how they did, how they did it. And this is, you know, um, just felt like a, felt like kind of meant to be like making pasta. And, you know, I worked at carte blanche. I was the chef de cuisine, but I mean, I did it all. So the first, you know, two, three hours of my shift every single day, were making tons of fresh pasta, tons of gnocchi, um, and that kind of thing. And it's, it's super fun to take, like, I mean, you think about it, pasta is like 11 cents per portion to make. It's flour and it's eggs, it's salt, maybe a little bit of water, olive oil, and um, so humble, but you can turn it into something amazing, right? Um, and that kind of thing. So that's what's so cool about it is just taking these few really humble ingredients and making making something great out of it. Um, yeah. And stuff so... Um, it's yeah. And it's, you know, there's a million different kind of shapes and different kind of things and something that I'll always, um, always want to keep growing at and keep learning about, um, that kind of thing. So, and it's, I don't know, pasta is not, it's not fussy. Like it's just delicious because it's delicious and <laughs> you can know the, the history of it and, and how it's made and the ingredients that went into it or not. And you'll still taste it and be like, this is, this is amazing. Oh, hello, no. Hello, yeah. Hey, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you on the pasta thing. It's like, for me, it was just because of its easy access and like you yeah. said, that memory, so. Totally, totally, totally. Uh, all right, so, you know, we're closing in an hour, uh, which is crazy, you know, time flies. Yeah. Uh, the last question I ask every guest on the podcast is, for you, what does it mean for you to be a part of the Lion Cook Nation? Uh, obviously, you've been following us since day one, but you know it's a community of cooks and chefs and people in the food industry trying to connect. What does it mean for you to be a part of this community of trying to learn and grow and connect with other cooks around the world? No, it means it means everything. Like I was kind of t- um, talking about, you know, I didn't really know like what kind of path I was going on or what. I could do professionally what I could be good at. And, um, I just, I just fell in love with this industry, you know, the camaraderie and just like, it can be a lot of fun. It can be like another family, um, you know, working in this industry and you get through really stressful times together. Um, you know, you fight <laughs> you, all the things. So it really is like a family. Um, and yeah, we all just have this chance to serve people we all had this chance to learn and grow every day. Um, and yeah, I can't see myself doing anything else. So it's super fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know you're a busy guy, um, but yeah. it means a lot that you would make some time to. Of course. You know, be on a well, podcast. Some time. <laughs> awesome. All right. And I'm sure we'll have you on in the future later on. So. Yeah, that's good. Sounds good, man. All right. Thanks, Cody. All right. Cheers. And so there you have it, the interview with Cody Castiglia. Thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. And as always, thank you for tuning in every single week. It means a ton. Um, Before you end this podcast, I do want to say that uh, I got a very constructive review about the audio. I I do know that sometimes with my podcast, there are audio issues where uh, sometimes the audio from the guest isn't as great. And, you know, obviously I've said that is from doing remote interviews, but I do want to say that I am putting more of an effort into this audio difference because I know a lot more of you are listening now and I know that um, it can be frustrating sometimes to have those audio differences and I really am working on it. So I do want to say thank you to whoever left that review because it was positive, but it was constructive. And honestly, if everyone left me like stuff like that, it would make this podcast so much better. But I did want to say thank you for that review. Thank you for leaving it. It has been read. Um, I'm always trying to improve this podcast and this show so you all have a better listening experience. 
and y'all are more engaged, but I do want to say I do value all of your critiques and all of your criticisms, and thank you all so much once again for being able to be a, a base of fandom where you can go ahead and share that with me. So thank you all so much, and we'll see you on the next Line Cook Thoughts podcast.